him and I's perspective has been really neat um, to to show people just the ways that a relationship can shift over time. Because it's hard to say. I mean, if you would have asked me a year ago what our relationship would look like, it would probably be a very different answer than what I would have said six months ago to a different answer than how I feel today. Um, and I think that continue. And I'm not. I don't look back at any of those answers and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I thought that. It's just as life continues to shift and evolve, like our relationship shifts and evolves to meet that need. Um, and I, you know, and I anticipate that it, you know, will continue to do that. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 213. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have a super fun interview with Michaela and Bryson. They are in their late 20s. They've been together a little over two and a half years, and we have a wonderful conversation about shifting dynamics and relationships and how you really shouldn't be afraid of changing the dynamics and relationships to find what works best for you. Yeah, I think one of the things that I really loved about this conversation was a a really close look at rethinking what it means to be a partner. Yeah. And they talk a lot about that and a lot about the ways that each of them have grown and evolved over the last two and a half years that they've been together and sort of how they've ended up where they're at. And so just a huge, huge thank you to both of them for everything they share with us and it's a beautiful story. So thank you. Very much. <laughs> I'll just add very much. Very much. Thank Thanks. you very much. <laughs> thank you very much. Before we jump into the interview, we do have our normal announcements. First up, a huge thank you to our incredible Patreon community. We're so grateful for all of you and making the community as amazing as it is. If you're out there looking for like-minded people, we highly encourage you to check out our Patreon community. We have ongoing MeWe chats, we have monthly Q&As, and we have monthly men's and women's group calls as well. Um, if you're interested, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com and click on the Patreon button. All of the information is right there. I just want to say a thank you as well and that you won't be disappointed if you join us in this group of amazing humans. Yes. That's my two cents. If Patreon doesn't seem up your alley, we also have virtual meet and greets every month. We have two of them here in the month of December and one of them is tomorrow. Yep. Thursday, December 9th. And the next one is Friday, December 17th. So that'll be next Friday. These are open to anybody and everybody. We just ask that you come with an open mind and be kind and respectful to everybody who is also joining us. We've been doing these for the last year and a half Mm -hmm. and they've been amazing. They've been growing and we're just super excited to keep doing them. So thank you to everybody who's been a part of the ones in the past and thank you to everyone who's joining us in the future. To sign up for the virtual meet and greets, go to our website, Again, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the community events tab and all of the information to sign up is right there. While you're there, you can also check out our in-person meet and greets. We have one uh, one announced for February 7th, and that is in New Orleans. We're working on more, so if you're interested in being the first to know when we announce these, go sign up for our mailing list. That'll be the easiest way to find out, and we promise not to spam you. It'll just be announcements about 
our upcoming events. Well, fun fact about the New Orleans meet and greet. Yes. Do you know who's going to be there? Lots of people. <laughs> <laughs> More specifically, do you know any particular people who might be there? Uh, yeah, Bryson and Michaela. Bryson and Michaela will probably be there. <laughs> As will Ryan from episode 181, who put us in touch with Bryson and Michaela and has actually been helping us put together our meet and greet in uh, February there. So we're super, super Super excited. Super, super, super. Yeah, with all the supers. <laughs> we're super excited about all of that. We're super excited about all the community building stuff we have going on. So just one like sort of blanket shout out and thank you to everybody who's helped us put together past events and is helping us put together future events. Thank you to all of you for all of your help. We're so grateful. Yes, they would not happen without your help. We're incredibly grateful. And with that... We should probably go hear how awesome Bryson and Michaela are, and that will help convince everyone to join us. Yes, let's go. Well, welcome, Bryson and Michaela, to the show. We're excited to talk to you tonight, and thanks for reaching out, and thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. Excited to be here. Yeah, to start to start us off, we know we we know very little about you, and so do the listeners. So we'd love for each of one of you to introduce yourselves. You take the lead. Cool. Um, hey, I'm Michaela. Um, I'm 27 years old and I live here in New Orleans. I've been polyamorous or polyadjacent, I guess, for the last three or so years. And that's definitely brought a lot of light into my life. Um, but other than that, which we'll get into more, I'm sure, a little later, I'm in school right now uh, studying to become a physical therapist. And um, I perform as an acrobat. Um, so I do um, acrobatic burlesque a lot around the city um, as a duo called Acrodite. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. How about you, Bryson? Yeah. Hey, I'm Bryson. I'm 28. I've been in New Orleans basically my entire life since I was three. And um, I really have just been for the last uh, like seven years or so, been riding the bike taxi in the French Quarter in New Orleans. And um, it's allowed me to do all kinds of other things. I've gotten into like real estate and the financial world and acrobatics and massage. And I do a lot of stuff. But my other main passion besides pedicabbing is actually um, teaching partner acrobatics. So a lot of the stuff Michaela does on stage, I do behind the scenes in the, in the studios and teach people that kind of stuff. And I just absolutely adore helping people get upside down and be kids as, in adults' bodies and uh, spreading that as much as possible. I'm really about to try and transition my life toward teaching as much of that as possible, especially in terms of like getting private clients as like duos or trios mm-hmm. and training them up. And um, that's been a very recent change for me because I've been trying to avoid monetizing a passion, you know? Yeah. And uh, I've decided, you know what, whatever. You know what? I've been in this for eight years and I love it to death and I haven't stopped loving it since day one. I love it way more now than I ever did. And so there's no point in not just trying it. So I'm really diving into that now. Yeah, that's amazing. And I would just offer that uh, sometimes by monetizing it, you can have a much bigger impact and reach than. Like if you can, if you can go for it and make it your, your full time thing. Passion, that's what yeah, saying, yeah. Yeah. So I love it. Thank you for sharing that. That's super cool. Yeah. How, how you go. I know you're going to ask, I was going to ask the same question. <laughs> how long have you two been together and what is your relationship dynamic? Yeah, well, I'll go first since I kind of like came into it after Michaela was already poly. We've been together for about two and a half years, a little under that now. And we, 
<laughs> we have we have a pretty funny story uh, because Michaela thought I didn't like her at all, <laughs> and actually the reason why she thought that is because I avoided her like the plague because I knew I liked her a lot. And in the acro community, there's a lot of like dating around and and stuff. And I was trying to like be a leader and not hit on everyone and flirt with everyone. And so I was avoiding Michaela's gaze or playing with her ever. And uh, the person I was seeing before her, I like finally got to the point of not seeing her anymore. That's a whole story I can go into later because it's a great lesson on like not being good at consent and communication. But uh, I finally stopped seeing this person and then like went on a date with Michaela and it was just like, it was on from there. We've been really just like with each other since then and really just adore one another. Um, I think that Michaela's brought a lot of, uh, like growth into my life, especially with communication in particular. Um, that's been one thing I have found. I've grown in that area a lot in terms of like communicating one's needs and desires and jealousy and hard feelings and not being afraid of communicating those things. That's been a really huge thing that this one has taught me. (laughs) I love it. And, and Michaela on your end, you said about three years that you've been exploring poly and Bryson, you, you had no experience in it prior to meeting Michaela. Is that true? Yeah. And so I was actually a serial monogamist. (laughs) Um, in fact, the person I was seeing before Michaela, uh, We'll call it. We'll call her Jay. Uh, I she asked me to be in an open relationship at the start of us starting dating, and I was like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, not into it." <laughs> and then a year and a half later, it was just not going well, and I started seeing Michaela for like, like after the second hangout, she's like, "By the way," or maybe you did it immediately, but she's like, "By the way, like I'm I'm also with someone else, and like I'm Polly, so like if you want to also date me." You know, I just understand that I have another partner and that you have to be okay with that. And, and, uh, I was like, that sounds great. <laughs> let's, let's do that. You mean I can see other people I'm in sign me up. <laughs> so what was the, what was the change between when Michaela brought it up and the previous partner? Um, definitely, definitely her just already being poly and already existing within that framework as opposed to like being asked to be in an open relationship, it just sounded very different. I think to me emotionally, like asking to be in an open relationship to me in the past really sounded like you just kind of want to be with me until you find someone you want to be with more. And to me that would, did not sound like, like I was like, why even be in that relationship? That's how I used to think. And when she approached me from the viewpoint of like polyamory of dating multiple people and you're like with those people in committed relationships then it, it sound I think it just sounded so different to me and like mentally I could wrap my mind around that making sense and not just being like a, I'm with you until I find this other person that I'm going to go be monogamous with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Had you been, I guess around non-monogamy in general at all prior to that or was it? Yeah. He just didn't know. Not, okay. not at all. <laughs> not at all. I, I, I had never had any real introduction to it whatsoever or talked about it with anyone. Yeah. Or even so really you, realized that it could be a thing. Like I had yeah. had a couple conversations leading up to us dating with some people. And I just came to the conclusion on my own that most of non-monogamy was just that until you find your soulmate. And yeah. I found out I was very wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I can see how like when your previous partner brought it up, it was, it could have 
been uh, a different, it was a different situation, a different level. You didn't have as much background. You didn't have, or any background and it was a different uh, phase of your relationship. Well, and it too, it's right. Like you said, the conversation is very different. If it's like, Hey, we just started dating. Let's not, let's not narrow ourselves in. That's a little more intimidating than like, I'm already dating somebody, but I also want to date you. It's a, it's a, the flip side of that coin and not that either one is wrong, but I can see how it's more intimidating. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I've been raised in this culture where you find someone, you marry them, you have kids, you move in together, all those things. And that's what I, in my mind, the person I was with before Michaela, I saw that person as someone I could just marry and have kids with and do all the, the, the cultural norms. And that's the main reason why I was like, absolutely not. I want to be with you and try to, you know, really dive into this and like, you know, go down the path that is prescribed in our culture. Yeah. Yeah. So how I'm curious, what is, what is your relationship between the two of you right now? Um, I mean, I think the thing with Bryson and I's relationship and the thing that draws me to Polly in general is the ability to have, you know, ongoing flexibility and support in partnerships. Um, Bryson and I's relationship has probably shifted some since we started dating to now, um, not in a, you know, less, emotionally or intimacy close, but just in some of the ways that we, um, spend time together or the other relationships kind of in our lives, like him and I both right now have each been seeing other people outside of this relationship for about, mm, what are we at? Four or five months. And it kind of, it happened very concurrently and very kind of out of, out of nowhere, which has been really great for both of us because it allowed us to not have the same strain that you might have necessarily of going through new relationship energy when one partner or the other partner is going through it independently. Um, we very much had that happen simultaneously and feel really, feel really lucky for that. And I think it's kind of at this point in our relationship, you know, we're, you know, we have a lot of love for each other and we have a less like sexually intimate relationship just because of like ways we've both shifted and grown in what we want, but still have, you know, a lot of ways that we support each other and care about each other, um, and maintain that, you know, that partnership dynamic. Um, and I mean, I think that's what draw drew me to Polly to begin with is being able to recognize various types of relationships as partnerships and not necessarily having to immediately let go of a relationship because it's not fulfilling some specific need in your life or if it's shifting to fill different needs in your life and allowing that to be okay because you know a lot of you know we're just taught to win the monogamy structure if something's not working either you just deal with it or you you know let go of that relationship and I think in in polyamory for us like the opportunity there is no I can I can maintain that relationship, you know, maybe in a particular partnership, you're going through a period of time where, you know, dynamics need to change, or maybe it's, you know, there's a whole general shift to that relationship. And sometimes that's an opportunity to, to move through that and get out and pursue something new. And sometimes that's an opportunity to just kind of reevaluate where both people are in the relationship and like find, find kind of what the actual commonality is and review that together. Yeah, I love that. And I want to I want to come back and pick up on some of the things you said, but Michaela, do you mind sharing a little bit about how you did get started in polyamory, like how you learned about it and made that transition to exploring that? 
Yeah. I mean, I think similar to Bryson, I kind of fell very neatly into the serial monogamy category for a long time. And I was finding myself in this, you know, series of go on a few dates with someone, start dating them more seriously, date them for X amount of time, months, years, et cetera. And then, you know, break up, not friends anymore, move forward. And I kind of got to a point after my my last breakup before starting to move into polyamory where I'm like, I'm like, at the very least I need to just be dating, um, and do that for a span of time. Like that was kind of my initial idea with it is like, I can't just like find someone cause I, I'm, I easily like people or I especially was in a period in my life where it was just like, okay, I can like make, you know, I'm so, if I'm going on dating apps or something like that, I'm so already self-selective. I'm like, I've narrowed it down to the top 1% of people already. So it's like, I'm going to like them, but it's like, you know, I wanted to be at a point where I was, you know, broadening the people I was exposing myself to from a dating perspective. Um, so that kind of brought me to mind of like, okay, I'm at least going to be dating multiple people and not necessarily looking at it from a poly framework at first, but then it kind of, simultaneously as I was like going through that with myself and thinking about it that way. Um, I had a friend in the community who, or a couple of friends actually who were already poly. So they just started like scratching the surface of talking to me about it. And then there's a pretty big polyamorous swinger play type community here in new Orleans as well. And I would say that getting kind of going to my first like play party type event and kind of seeing that type of interaction with people and meeting more people in the community overall really kind of drove me towards poly. Um, and I, you know, met my, uh, my first, um, polyamorous partner, um, at one of those parties. Uh, and so I kind of started exploring things with him first polyamorous wise, and then kind of have, move forward from that on my own. Yeah. Love it. Thank you. And, and you, so you said that you and Bryson have in the last five months started seeing other people. It sounds like, but you, when you did start your relationship, you were seeing somebody else. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like there's been some phases phases in there (laughs) along, along the way to where you got to two and a half years later or so. Totally. Totally. I mean, from my side of things, like I was dating or I started dating my previous partner in something like 2018 and him and I dated for just about three years. We, after about three months of dating, we broke up initially and got back together and him and I have only been uh, separated now for about two months or so, three months. And that was, you know, kind of a relationship that, you know, was not in an area that it could grow anymore. Uh, Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, you know, I still have a lot of, you know, compassion for him, especially just like the ways that it brought me into this sphere. But yeah, I mean, I think from that, like there's kind of different timeline with things and we've had, I think this is the first time, especially for Bryson, that he's been very seriously partnered with someone other than me since being polyamorous Mm -hmm. and I've kind of the, I've not been solo poly single since really starting polyamory. Um, so I've more so moved a little bit in and out, but it's really only been Bryson, my previous partner and then my new partner. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, that makes sense. Uh, the last like five months, you said you know you, you both were going through new relationship energy and all of that. How, how did that? How has that gone for both of you? It's been uh, actually fantastic for both of us. Awesome! <laughs> it really the timing worked out like so 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 well. Mm-hmm. Of like Michaela having like the openness in her life to be able to kind of dive into this relationship she had been wanting to dive into, and I happened to meet uh, her partner's like one of her closest friends, her best friend. And really liked her a lot. And then we started hanging out and we realized like, oh, this is great. Let's do this. And so our partners are best friends. <laughs> so it's very uh, much so a quad polycule situation. And it's it's quite uh honestly, it's very it's really amazing. We we got lucky with the two that we found by a long shot. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, and I think like you said, like to be able to go through that at the same time, right? Like if that like the NRE is strong, right? Like you, you're like, oh, it's just some new relationship energy. But like when you're in it, it can be intimidating. And it's, it grabs it's, hold. It takes yeah. hold of you. Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah, and so for you both to get to go through it together, I, I, I have to imagine that that has made things smoother, um, knowing that it did for us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I definitely, I would say, the biggest piece of advice about I wouldn't necessarily approach new relationship energy the way that Bryson and I have approached it if it wasn't something that was happening simultaneously for both of us because the Mm -hmm. amount that both of us have been able to dive into these new relationships and really cultivate them in a really um, like powerful way and a really serious way with both of these people would not be giving enough... um, energy and time and love into an existing relationship for someone who might be, if your partner is going through a different time scale than you're going through. But yeah, I wouldn't recommend to most people to approach, um, new relationship energy the way we did. We were both super, super fortunate to have kind of stars align in terms of timing. But I think in terms of like really honoring your existing partnerships and the ways I generally look at approaching poly, a lot more time and intentionality needs to go into supporting your existing partner. And for us, that didn't have to happen. Didn't I say didn't have to happen, but like wasn't happening in the same way Mm -hmm. simply because like both of these things were happening at the same time and all of our needs were being met versus if, that wasn't the case. Like instead of spending, you know, five, six plus nights a week with my partner, I might only be spending three nights with her. Um, you know, and same thing for him. Like he went on a month long trip, uh, with his new partner. Um, and that was totally fine for me because, you know, the whole time I was back here with my partner, but that might've been, or that definitely would have been a lot more challenging if, uh, those things weren't happening lot, at the same more, time. A lot more challenging. Oh yeah, totally. If one of you is, yeah, not in that same space, it there's a lot more opportunity for jealousy or insecurities to come up for sure. Totally. Have you found, even with both of you going through this at the same time, that it has impacted your relationship in in some way whether that's even getting to a point where you're like hey you know i know you're deep in it and you're having a great time and i'm deep in it and i'm having a great time but like i miss you like we haven't done the stuff that we used to do together and i'm craving that like have you seen it impacting 
your relationship in, in any way. Yeah. Yeah. We probably have different uh, opinions on that. Um, I, w- I would say it feels almost exactly the same as before we started seeing these other partners because we had gotten into such a healthy place and, and, and just really got very good at communicating uh, what we needed out of one another. And um, Michaela's other relationship was just in such a rocky place that it was very easy for ours to feel super healthy. And so like ours has just felt in a really good place for quite a while now. And I think that that has lent to it just kind of feeling very easy to operate as partners. Um, I will say, I haven't really told Michaela about this, but I have had just like thoughts here and there about like, are we distancing from one another? But it, it's very quickly assuaged by just texting her and being like, Hey, you're really important to me. <laughs> when are we, when are we spending the next night together? Like when, are, when am I going to see you again? And, and her responding in kind and, and showing me that it's the same for her. And so it just took, you know, when I was having those little bit of thoughts of like, you know, are we kind of like slowly distancing from one another? Mm-hmm. It very quickly became like squashed that thought because she showed me that like, yeah, I still want to spend that time with you. You're still really important to me. So yeah, it feels like it's in a really good place. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a big thing for us is that like our, you know, we know that our relationship is in a healthy place. It's not in as much of a just loving energetic growth phase as maybe it was, you know, prior, you know, even a year plus ago, but Mm -hmm. you know, there's still a lot of love and support and care that, you know, both of us put into this relationship, um, that we both value a lot in ways that we can support each other, that maybe our other partners can't support each other, support us for whatever reason. But yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing for me, you know, looking at our relationship is like, I'm really grateful to be at, like when I started dating, Bryson, him and I had about a month together spending every day together and getting to really like soak in that new relationship energy for both of us when we first started dating. Mm -hmm. Um, and so getting to have that again, um, with my, um, you know, my new partner has been like really awesome to really be able to kind of soak that up in the same way without feeling guilty. Cause I think that is such like a magical time in a relationship and something that you don't always get to experience while still having another, you know, more established relationship in your life. I think what'll be interesting for both of us is just kind of seeing how things progress over time. Like we've haven't been in a place where both of us are, more seriously dating people, especially people who we both feel so strongly about. Um, so I think that's just going to be kind of a time will tell type of scenario. Um, cause I think for Bryson and I, one thing that like our, you know, whether it goes in our favor or, you know, kind of just about our relationship in general is, you know, him and I have never really looked at being like nesting partners or living together, um, or having some of these other things about, our relationship be the direction it's headed, you know, that, you know, there could be a period of time where he lives in one state and I live in another, and we would, you know, more likely, you know, locate to each other in that way. Um, but just because of the ways our relationship has established itself and just the ways that both of us operate, that's not been kind of on our trajectory in general. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's something that I'm looking towards as you know, in the coming months and year, you know, years as things progress is just like how, you know, how our relationship dynamic continues to evolve and what it looks like once we're out of that kind of like really, 
high energy phase in our existing relationships, whether it goes back more to a sense of like, oh yeah, you know, we spend a couple of nights a week or a few nights a week together versus like, okay, I haven't seen you for a month. <laughs> Let's see each other type yeah. of thing. Um, so just seeing what's comfortable in that for both of us. Yeah, that makes, I mean, that makes total sense. Uh, this may be an impossible question to answer, but what, what do both of you, I don't what do you see the future bringing for both of you in your relationships is like, what do you want? Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and go first just cause for me, it's been, it's been a very clear picture for a while. I see it looking like we both kind of like have our home bases kind of in different cities and just kind of like bouncing back and forth between those places and the kind of like living with one another in our, like our domiciles and our different uh, locations. Um, I really have a big intention of, sort of having like, you know, buy land, build properties on it, have as many people move into it, sort of commune situation happening. And um, I know that she's got the a home here in New Orleans and that is really important to her. And I love the city dearly. And so I see it kind of working out like that for me. And the fact that like Michaela also likes the idea of like the commune in the mountains clear sort of situation is, I think it lends well to a future that we both sort of like align with well. And, um, also like the other thing is that like these future ideas I have and kind of how I want my life to go, Michaela is just so heavily in support of them that it seems just like the, you know, an unprecedented amount of time we will be together, you know, especially with the support of what I want to do in my life. That's kind of really big to me in terms of a partner. Like I want a partner, like actively supporting verbally what I'm doing in my life if I'm excited about it. And she does that very well. And to me, that's like, that's check off number one most important thing in my life. So mm-hmm. I see it being just as long as we feel like we want to be together like this. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And and I think too, right? Like so many people put emphasis or all of the emphasis on like, well, we have to be having sex three, four, or five nights a week. And it's all about like I have like it, people make it centric around but, something like either sex or sleeping together or living together. And for you, like, well, cause that's what so much of society tells us. To I'm do. aware, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, 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 uh, for you, that the, the focus, the paramount thing is just the support from your partner and like everything else is, is icing on the cake. And I, I like that a lot. I love that. And I think we particularly have a really interesting dynamic when it comes to uh, our sexual life or sexual intimacy. And I think that uh, that's probably like a thing I'd like to talk about more at length. Um, I'd like to kind of continue on the path we're on at the moment, but I do want to get into our relationship and how we navigate that. Cause yeah. I think it's going to be a really good learning lesson for other people that are on this path and kind of trying to figure it out and yeah. having difficulty with that. But you, did you want to say anything about like the future and kind of like, where do you see that? How do you see that working and stuff? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I think Bryson very much, you know, did a good job of summing up kind of what our, you know, future path, um, could entail. I mean, I think that for both of us, we intend to be involved in each other's lives for a really long time, um, kind of regardless of what this, you know, what that looks like. Um, and knowing that we're going to have a super, you know, loving supportive relationship as you know that could change over time and um you know i think we're you know we're excited by the prospects of like what are you know what can unfold in our lives especially you know knowing the amount of you know 
energy and attention that we've already put into our relationship. And I think a thing for Bryson and I, that's been really cool to just see in general is how like the power of being a really positive, healthy polyamorous relationship in a community and like what that role, cause you know, we're new Orleans has a really large poly scene. Um, I don't think it's that surprising, but you know, to some it might be. And, you know, I myself have, you know, if you will, converted folks to poly, but also being able to kind of talk about that from him and I's perspective has been really neat, um, to, to show people just the ways that a relationship can shift over time. Cause it's hard to say, I mean, if you would have asked me a year ago, what our relationship would look like, it would probably be a very different answer than what I would have said six months ago to a different answer than how I feel today. Um, and I think that continue, and I'm not, I don't look back at any of those answers and be like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I thought that it's just as life continues to shift and evolve, like our relationship shifts and evolves to meet that need. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, you know, and I anticipate that it, you know, will continue to do that. Um, and, you know, I have a lot of especially love and respect for Bryson for like the patience and time that he's kind of given to me as I've kind of figured out what role I want Polly to play in my life. Cause it's even, you know, changed over the last, you know, year or so too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in what ways, and, and not that I don't want to get into your sex life cause that's coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that I, I mean, I always thought it would be really difficult for what, I mean, one thing would be really difficult for Bryson to have another, um, like primary partner, um, and someone who was struggle with that. Me, I'd brought it up so many times. I'm like, look, you're dating someone else as a primary partner. I'm going to do that too. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to be okay with that. (laughs) Yeah. And so like getting to at that point, I think was a big thing for me and being able to really see that, him having a primary partner wasn't going to take away from our relationship. It was just going to, you know, lift him up in the ways that I might not be able to either now or maybe ever, you know, just, you know, given the, the dynamic of our relationship, I think that's been a big thing. Um, you know, I had a really tumultuous breakup over the last, that kind of has been an ongoing thing for a while, but really, you know, really became a more major thing in the last, two, three, four months, whatever, a period of time. Um, so that's been a big change that Bryson was with me through and, you know, kind of supported me through. And then, I mean, and then getting into the relationship with my, you know, my newer partner, um, and him being really supportive of that. Um, cause it's the first time I've seriously dated a woman, um, and like what that has looked like in my life and what I want from that has, you know, been really awesome to kind of go through that with him, um, by my side too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, um, I appreciate that. And I think it, so it sounds like it was a struggle for you, maybe from a jealousy standpoint of, of Bryson having or finding another partner is that, did I catch that correct? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, you know, I think that comes up for, you know, a lot of people is, you know, jealousy and how that operates and, you know, speaking for me, like my jealousy very much comes from a place of time rather than jealousy around sex. Um, that's never been a thing. And I don't really care who he sleeps with and I never have. Um, but I do, you know, 
value being, you know, having that, um, kind of emphasis on our relationship and knowing that like, if I, if I call him, he's going to answer my calls and not be, you know, preoccupied with something else. And so like, you know, him being able to show that that prioritization is still there. And, you know, part of that for me, that insecurity came from the other relationship I was in and not receiving that from the other person, um, and some of the ways that I needed to, um, rather than anything that Bryson ever did in terms of our relationships. Like he's always been, he's always been awesome at that and always been very willing to, you know, put other things to the side to make sure that I feel really cared for, um, and cherished kind of no matter what else is going on. Um, you know, even with his camping trip, there was, there was a night recently where I was sleeping by myself for the first time in like over a month. And I say sleeping by myself as in sleeping in a bed by myself. Um, and I, prior to that, I had gone like almost a year and change whatever without sleeping in a bed alone, which was crazy for me. Um, and I got into my head about it and I was like, ah, you know, for whatever reason, anxious, stressed out about it. And he was still on his road trip out in, I don't even know what, he, you <laughs> a know, different he was, state he, every day, a different state every day. So he was traveling somewhere out in the Pacific Northwest region with very limited service. And I called him at like 1030 at night and was just like, I'm stressed. <laughs> I'm anxious. And I don't know what, and I'm like, it's literally just, I have to sleep in a bed by myself. Um, and he's like, they're, you know, my, you know, he was traveling with a few other people and kept bringing, he's like, he's like, they are waiting for me, but don't worry about it. I'll go, I'll go deal with it, whatever. And proceeded to talk to me on the phone for about 45 minutes and just try to like help me, you know, decompress and calm down and feel, you know, more grounded and connected. And at, you know, at the time he was traveling with his other partner and a couple of friends, um, and like was in the middle of something, but very like willing to kind of drop everything to make sure that I was going to be okay. Um, and you know, even though in hindsight, it's such a small, thing that I was, you know, having anxiety about and not actually a big deal, you know, it felt really good to know that I could call him and that he would be there. Mm -hmm. And I will will add that it was uh, very cold outside. And I told her, look, I don't want to be on the phone because I'm very cold and I want to go cuddle with the other people in the tent. (laughs) And she's like, no, 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 I need you. I'm like, but but I'm cold. (laughs) I don't like being cold. And she's like, no, 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 I need you. I'm like, okay, I'm here as long as you need. Go ahead. (laughs) But just so you know, I'm cold. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like bundled up. I was like this on the phone. like. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But like that, it shows so much though that, you know, Michaela, you were, you were able to reach out when you needed to. And Bryson, you were there and like you put everything on hold too. And like, that's, showing that each other that you can do that you can be vulnerable you can be vulnerable enough to reach out when you know you need to and then also put everything on hold to be there for that person and like that's a you know helps uh the foundation of the relationship and the trust with each other of like okay when the, when I need this person they will be there yeah and i think too not to get all deep on it but that <laughs> like <laughs> I feel like it's like there's maybe somebody listening who's like, well, that's super unhealthy that he had to go stand out in the cold because she couldn't get along for one night. But it's like to me, like if you did this every single time he went camping and you were alone, like he had to spend every single night sitting on the phone with you until you fell asleep. Right. That's different. Like to be like, hey, I just this is like a one time thing right now. And yes, it may happen again. But like if this isn't a, a re- 
competing thing. I think there's a there's just a difference to me. Well, in, there's a codependency there I, uh, for sure. Yeah. I just in, wanted in to point out that, like, yeah. to me, it's different if it's like every single night versus like, hey, this happened one time. Yeah, and maybe I was saying there could be an unhealthy codependency there. Without a doubt, we're taking this. We're now we're taking over. Now we're just arguing <laughs> on our own podcast. <laughs> Love it. All right, perfect. Well, do we get to talk about your sex life now, or is there more? <laughs> And yeah, not that, sure. like, not that I've been waiting anxiously for this, but <laughs> you offered, and we figured it sounds like it's a um, important, it's oh, an important aspect. Oh yeah, <laughs> I actually told Emma when I woke up this morning that was what I was most excited about tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm actually going to let Michaela take the lead because I've got a lot to say, and I want her to like kind of say what she's thinking and what she has to say about, it, and then I'll then I'll go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think a big thing for me, I mean, with our sex life is I, for the last probably over a year and change, was really, um, had almost no sex drive and was trying to desperately to figure out, you know, what was going on, why I felt this way, especially in my, you know, existing partnerships and like what, you know, and feeling, you know, more and more, you know, anxious or, you know, turmoil in my head about like, you know, I love these people. Why don't I want to have sex with them? And so, you know, in, one relationship that my, you know, my relationship with my own sex life was causing kind of a growth in internal, internal turmoil in terms of that person not feeling, you know, loved by me or not feeling like I thought he was attractive or, you know, any of these other things. And it was causing more tension to bubble over in other areas of our life because, you know, for X, Y, Z reasons, you know, I had no sex drive whatsoever versus, you know, on Bryson's side of things while he was, you know, always like, you know, I want to have sex with you if you want to have sex. It was never, you know, I never felt pressured. I never felt in any way that, you know, I was going to lose my relationship with him or affect the, like, I didn't feel like our actual like connection was ever negatively impacted by that fact. It was just, you know, something that I was either going through or figuring out. And, you know, I think the biggest thing with that and like what kind of being polyamorous or open or whatever allowed for is, you know, during a period of time where I'm like, you know, maybe I'll have sex once a month, maybe, but not really um, at that period of time in my life. Mm -hmm. Bryson was still able to be going out and like have those needs met by, you know, a couple other like you know, more like just sexual partners for him. So mm-hmm. I never was, so I wasn't feeling guilty in the same way, um, in our relationship because I knew that like his needs were being met and he was being satisfied. Whereas, you know, I was happy too, because I was just like, I don't know why I don't have a sex drive. I don't know what's going on, but like, you know, at least this person that I care about is, you know, having, you know, their needs met. So that was important to me. But what did you want to go into something with it too? Yeah. And w- one thing in particular that like has stuck with me was a question Michaela asked me uh, about a year and a half ago or so. She asked, you know, like if we, if we never have sex again, would you still want to be with me? And like that question hit me like a boulder. I mean, I was just like, wait, what? Like, did you really just ask that question? <laughs> like, I mean, I, my like initial response and, and emotional response was to be like, no, <laughs> like, like, I don't know. What do you mean? Do I want to be with you if we're never having sex? Like what? Then 
then we're not together. <laughs> and so that was a big thing. Like I battled with for weeks or months after she asked me that question and we kind of just like, she kind of let it go to the wayside, but I thought about it quite a lot. And I was like, you know, the answer is like, yes, I definitely still want to be together because what it does is it actually shows that you want to be in my life for the rest of my life, no matter what, like where our relationship looks like. And to me, that was like, so powerful and so like shows the depth of connection and like how much Michaela wants me in her life. Like it showed that like the sex is not even relevant. Even it's like, I love your soul. I love who you are and your personality and everything about you. And I want you around me. And just because I don't want to have sex with you does not mean that like, you're not of like extreme importance to me. And that was a really big thing for me to realize and then concurrently throw the question back at her. <laughs> like six months later, I like realized like, Oh yeah, I guess we probably, we, we might have sex in the future, but like we, we might not ever again. And that is something that like I then got in my head. Cause I like, it had been so long since she asked me, I started thinking like, man, what if we do never have sex again? Are we like not going to be partners? Like, what does that even mean? And I go and ask her that question. She's like, what do you mean? I asked you that. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, good point. Good point. <laughs> I guess I already know the answer. And so the answer was like, yeah, we want to be with each other. Like we love, we adore each other, spending time with one another. And, and like the, the sex is not really relevant to that. I mean, I certainly time and time and time again, like she said, asked her like, or told her, you know, I think you're super attractive. I would love to have sex with you if you're feeling that, but I know you're probably not, but I'm here for it if you want it. <laughs> and I said that, I mean, many, 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 many mm-hmm. times and really very intentionally tried to never pressure her mm-hmm. with that because I knew she was not having any sort of like sexual desire and she's really important to me. So I didn't want to put that pressure on her. And, um, so it, it turned out really well because she, like we're in poly relationship, obviously, but she also like gave me like verbal permission to like really go find, like satisfy my desires and needs. And I think, I think that helped a lot to be told like, Hey, I want you to go actively sleep with other people and enjoy your sex life and tell me about it Mm -hmm. as much as you want. And that, that really helped me to never feel like it was an issue in our relationship. Yeah. It's so to me, it's so like powerful to be able to, take take that off the table and and have the rest of the foundation you've built intact mm-hmm. and then carry on right because it would be so easy to say like well okay we can just why don't we just say we're friends then like because if you don't want to have sex with me um like for one that that can be a hard thing to like swallow swallow right yeah, yeah it's it's if especially for self-esteem and all of these different things but then to be like well i'm gonna you can go and have sex with other people but it's still like well i want it with you and so for you two to be able to disassociate that and maintain what you've built like i think it's incredible and i think it's awesome so yeah I'm- yeah i mean to, for for me it provides such a like level of emotional stability that i've never experienced before to know that I'll have this person who I call my partner in my life, you know, for maybe the rest of my life and know that they're like, I always have this emotional support in my life and I never have to, it's it's not like, it's not the same thing as a best friend, not the same thing as a family member. Like we're partners. And even though we don't, we don't have a sexual relationship at at the moment, like 
it doesn't change the fact that we are partners in that way. Because I even was listening to Ryan, I mean, um, you know, Ryan's podcast and the way he was saying they kind of like kind of flow and change between like friends or partners kind of depending on the situation. Mm -hmm. And it, it got me thinking a lot about how, like, are we best friends or are we partners or what are we really? And, you know, I've come to the conclusion that we are partners because we prioritize each other as like top of the list above everybody else because that, you know, that we, we have just placed each other as that important in one another's lives. And so that's where I see it being different than a best friend relationship. Yeah. I mean, and I think it, I've done a lot of reflection too, just on what, you know, what role, you know, partner means and how that plays out in my life. And I mean, I think similar to the word love, I think there's not enough words for partner or lover or whatever in our society. And I think, you know, I think it's, I think labels for some can be challenging, but they're also, they can be really grounding and really gratifying, um, to have, you know, be able to label something to understand it better. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me, when I think about partnership, kind of the way I look at it is, is this person someone that I'm looking to, you know, continually grow with and on, you know, the one that I unconditionally love them and that two, that, that really I'm okay with that relationship dynamic shifting and changing over time. It's just still something that I want in my life. And I think I hold a partner also to maybe a higher standard, even in some ways than I would hold a friend. Um, and I see that as something that like, as a partner, you know, you're looking to do the work on your partnership and on, you know, whatever things are going on in your life together. And the idea is that you can support each other through whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and a best friend, can, you know, can sometimes fall into that. Um, but I think, you know, I, you know, I read, um, a quote once that it was just basically like love is a choice, um, rather than just a feeling. And I really liked that. And I kind of think about partnership the same way as like, yeah, you can feel really strongly towards a best friend and have this certain kind of relationship with them, but you know, calling someone a partner is a choice. You know, it's something that you're actively making a decision to have, to prioritize that specific relationship and to define it in a certain way and all the things that kind of go along with that. Um, and you can ask more of them. I think, um, Mm -hmm. they don't always have to say yes, but Mm -hmm. there is the, the expectation that you can hold your partners to a higher standard than other people in your life. Yeah. It's almost a, a level of intimacy that's and vulnerability with someone that is, I mean, not that you can't be intimate and vulnerable with a best friend, but, I don't know. There is, there can be a difference there. And like, it's not all about sex. There can be an mm-hmm. intimacy between a, on a, in a partnership. That's not just about sex. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for expanding on, on that. It, I think it's interesting and awesome. I mean, that you two have found what works best for you right now. And, but yeah, open to that changing in the future of like, who knows what the future is going to bring, mm-hmm. but this is where we're at right now. Yeah. And I did want to like go back to go back in time in our relationship when we were first really diving into our relationship. I had met someone else who was really into me and I was really into them. And Michaela was like, not only very supportive of that, but um, also like allowed me to have the time to go explore that relationship. 
And when I, Michaela even had like pretty solid boundaries around like, you know, no fluid bonding, you know, no having sex without condoms with people without discussing it first. Like you can't, you can't just like do it and then, and then tell. Right. And so in that scenario, I did do it. I broke, I broke the boundary and I had sex with this person without a condom and, you know, it put a lot of turmoil in our relationship for that moment, but it allowed us to like find out, okay, like how do we communicate about issues when they come up? And that was a really good place to find out that like when we have hard rocky moments in our life, in our relationship, we know that like, even if it's really difficult, we can come to one another and speak our mind and not hold back. And I think that has allowed for a really like deepening of our relationship and in, in a way that like makes it feel like, man, I always have someone by, by my side or covering my back at, at all times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really powerful of uh, going, th- I mean, relationships are tested all the time by hard conversations. Right. And so it's good. I mean, not good that that happened that early, but it, in one sense, like it is good to have hard conversations somewhat early on to see how, how they go and, and, and talk about those. Yeah. Yeah. And this, this might be a good time to kind of transition into the relationship I had before Michaela and yeah, how sure. mistakes I, I made and how it really, it lent well to me realizing what I actually wanted. <laughs> um, yeah. If you're whatever you're comfortable sharing, go for it. Yeah, definitely. So, um, this, this person, um, I met them through the Acro community. Um, I'll call her Jay. Um, they like the first time I met them, I was just like enamored completely and like just totally taken aback at, you know, their beauty and the way they interacted with me and all these kinds of things. And within like probably like two or three months of knowing each other, we like had a moment alone and we're like, well, should we date? And I was like, let's please be together. And she's like, well, let's do an open relationship because she had already done them in the past. And, um, you know, I was still stuck in the mindset of like, no, I'm trying to like, marry you. (laughs) I'm trying to have kids with you. And I didn't necessarily say that at the time, but I was like, absolutely not. Don't want to do that. And it was kind of crazy because at that moment in my life, I actually had like at least three other women that were like trying to actively hang out with me and have sex with me. And that was the most ever in my life. (laughs) And so I was like, well, uh, I definitely want that. (laughs) Like, and so like I put myself in this real deep squirrel hole of like, I told this person I definitely don't want an open relationship, but now I want to also have sex with these people who are like desiring me so heavily. And I'd never really experienced it to that level before. And so I just did it. And I realized, you know, in retrospect later on that that relationship, like I was not ready for any, I, like any form of marriage or like super deep, like exclusive partnership. I'm like, I'm too young to just close myself off that way. Like I haven't even had that many sexual experiences or like realize like I never had a threesome or any group situation at that point. And I was like, what am I doing? Like doing this to myself, but it's crazy because it took me over a full year to realize that the reason why I actually cheated on this person. So like I had sex with two separate people um, while I was like dating this person and trying to be monogamous and I didn't tell her until probably four or five months later when she kind of like pulled it out of me and realized like I was acting weird and stuff and, and finally got it out of me. And it just made our relationship so rocky for like a year of just on, off, on, off, on, off. And 
it's so crazy to to look back at it because I realized, man, like the only reason I actually just didn't tell her is because I thought I wanted to like marry her and have kids, which like now I'm at this point in this iteration of, of me, I realize I could both have had a deep relationship with her, had sex with these other people and then still going on to marry and have kids with her. And it, it's such a, it's such a, like a, a way of approaching relationships that I had no idea I could. And that one of these people I have that I actually, you know, really did a bad thing with, which was cheat on my ex partner with, I actually am now friends with again. And you know, it, it, it's so interesting because like I wanted to keep being friends with that person the whole time, but I completely cut them off because they were the source of like, Oh, I cheated on my partner with you that I can't talk to you anymore. <laughs> like I'm still trying to be with this person. I can't, I really can never speak to you. I need to like block you and all the things I need to like somehow make sure that we never come in contact again. <laughs> and that was only because like I was ashamed. Like if I had just like owned up to it immediately, it would have either like ended our relationship right then and there or made our relationship even deeper. And so, you know, the, it's just a, a life lesson that I realized, man, like if like you're still wanting to have sex with multiple people and here and there and everything, like you should definitely not have an exclusive sexual relationship with someone because <laughs> it's just going to lend to you cheating. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I mean, first of all, a huge amount of gratitude for like, sharing that right like admitting that that was something you did and i think what's really interesting is we've had somebody on the show not too long ago that talked basically from the perspective of the partner that you cheated on which is like i went to this person and said i want an open relationship and they said no and then they cheated on me and it's so easy to be like well what the fuck like what they said they want an open relationship and you said no and then you cheated on them and it's so easy to like vilify you or that person but then when you hear this side of it and it's like all of the things that are going on and all of the internal like turmoil is and it's just so much of it is just pounded into you from society really Mm -hmm. right like Mm -hmm. i want to marry this person and the only way to do that is this but then there's all these conflicting things and like yeah it's just it's it's to me it's amazing to hear your perspective on it like what was going through your mind and that's not to say this other person that we talked to that the guy was doing the same thing it could have been totally different i'm just to hear your perspective on it from that that position is is uh, really powerful, I think. So yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. And it, it really sucked for me in particular. I mean, obviously for, for Jay, it was a really sure. heart wrenching experience to have that happen, especially with me telling her that I was madly in love with her, which I was, but it was so hard to like both say I felt that way and also admit that I cheated on her at the same time. It's like, okay, but that I could have those two conflicting feelings at the same time. That's, that's normal. And to be able to understand that that's a possibility is, is really mind opening. And, um, on that note, um, like, what was it like a little before the summer back in the spring, both of the people I was seeing kind of consistently outside of Michaela, um, neither of them, I would necessarily call a partner, but I was seeing them on a pretty consistent basis. Like one of them once, once a week, sometimes twice a week. And the other one, like once every other week, um, they both went out of town, like at the same time 
and they were going to be gone for like one for two months and the other one for like four or five months. And I'm like, Oh no, I went from having two sexual partners to zero <laughs> instantaneously. And, uh, I was like, I need to go find uh, a partner or two <laughs> to kind of like fill that gap, that, that, that need that I had in my life to, cause I, I, I am a pretty sexual person mm-hmm. and I have a lot of sexual energy. And so I like immediately like, made a list of names of like, okay, these are the people I'm going to approach in this order to see if they want to like have any sort of special relationship with me. And the first person happened to be, you know, her partner's best friend. And it just like, it was so powerful right off the bat that I just deleted the list immediately and <laughs> happened to be seeing just this one person. And cause she fulfilled that. She not only fulfilled that need, but like made me realize like, Oh crap. Like maybe, maybe, like this other primary partner thing could be a thing. Cause I never had anyone that I really wanted to like try and date and, and maybe dive into a real like committed long-term partnership with. And, um, yeah, that, that happened. And, um, yeah, that, that was just something that I found very funny that like I was having that moment and Michaela, I don't know at what point she said this, but she basically said like, go find people, (laughs) like go find sex partners, like go do what you need to do to make you feel good. And her just saying that out loud made me feel so liberated and free to go do it. And in a, such a healthy mindset about it and like being like being able to not only tell those other people that like I'm in this space, but to be able to like feel from my partner energetically and emotionally that like, she's so for me doing what I need. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, and getting that, uh, per, it's not, it's per- permission, like affirmation. affirmation. Yeah. Yeah. From your partner and encouragement, active encouragement and support and is yeah. Such an amazing feeling to, to have that. And it's like, okay, this is what like I can do this. This is okay. And takes away some of that, uh, potential guilt. Yeah. Big, big time. I mean, it completely removed it. I mean, yeah. cause, cause you know, we weren't really actively having any sort of sexual relationship. So like I already had no reason to feel bad about it, but yet still did that. I wanted to like go actively approach other people for that. Um, so yeah, that, that felt really good. Um, and yeah, I think that one of the other things I felt that was on my mind, I really wanted to share was the idea of like being a metamor. And, um, I don't know if maybe other, like just to, just to say what it is for viewers, I guess I'll explain real quick. Just if I'm dating Michaela and she has another partner that I'm not dating, then we are metamors to one another. And um, to actively be a metamor in a relationship where your partner's been seeing another person since before you were dating and to watch like rocky turbulence and difficulties happen in that relationship and still support it was like a really interesting thing for me, Um, especially because I want what's best for Michaela. And so to watch her like have a fight and then they resolve it and then to have a fight and then to have a fight. And then like to see this kind of happen over and over again was a really difficult place for me to be and feeling like it was not good for her, but also wanting to support what she wanted. And she wanted to be with this person. And that person brought her a lot of good things in her life while also bringing these other difficulties along with it. And so I just wanted to talk a little bit about that in terms of like, I just did, what a good partner I feel like should do and that support your partner and what they want. <laughs> like if, if they don't feel like it's unhealthy for them, then I feel like it should just be like a support them until they feel like it's not. Um, 
Cause I had a lot of moments where like, I wanted to say like, Hey, this looks really bad. <laughs> you should maybe consider not being with them. Um, but I kept my mouth shut because I wanted to, so I just wanted to like want what Michaela wants. It's her life, not mine. And so that was something I feel like I just wanted to talk about because you know, it's, it, it was a, a non-attachment thing, you know, it's like, I'm not Michaela. Like just because she's my partner doesn't mean that like I control her life in any way. And so that was something I really was super intentional about was never telling her anything negative about her other relationship. Even when I felt like I had things to say, um, I just tried to really actively not share anything that didn't feel very productive. Mm-hmm. And how do you feel about your metamorph relationship now? Oh God, I love my metamorph now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I am, I am a, I am a lucky human. <laughs> um, Yeah. Yeah, that is a super hard position to be in where you, you, maybe you think you know the right answer, but you can't give the right answer because it's not your decision to make. Even, even if you are partnered with Michaela or, you know, whatever the dynamic is, like she's still an autonomous human who has to make her own decisions. And then the three of us being in the house together all the time and like sharing space all the time, like, uh, yeah, that, that was, that was tricky. Yeah, that's the way to put it. <laughs> it was tricky yeah. to, and, and yeah, that there's a lot to say there, but also like, that's just kind of like peculiar about that specific relationship. I'd rather focus more on like what can help people learn to be poly and non-monogamy, non-monogamous yeah. better. Um, no, hugely appreciate that, that perspective and sharing that. And uh, yeah, just thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and I guess the kind of, do you have any tips for being in that situation when, when you feel like all you want to do is say something and you, and you just constantly reminding yourself not to, or like, what do you have any uh, suggestions for people who might be in that situation? Yeah. Yeah. For certain. Um, the, the one thing I did very actively to not say anything negative about the relationship was really just to promote her talking about it to make her feel like mm-hmm. she knew where she was with things like to give her the space to talk about it and not, not be necessarily like an echo chamber, but to like give, give space and time for my partner to like talk about the difficult things she's mm-hmm. processing and just be there for her. Um, and really kind of, you know, because I gave that space, she came to me a lot about the, the time, the difficult times she was dealing with, and it, it allowed me to express my opinion as opposed to me just trying to like assert my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I think too, as a partner, you can also one role you can play in that when you're not able to really assert your opinions is you can identify patterns and you can be like, you know, Hey, I noticed that, you know, this particular thing happened again. How are you feeling? rather than passing a particular judgment on it, just offering it. Because sometimes when you're in the thick of a relationship, especially one that might be more turbulent, you know, you're kind of often in a, like a, either things are really good. I don't want to think about the bad or it's bad right now. I can't even remember what else happened prior to this. And sometimes being able to have, you know, a partner can play that role. A friend can play that role. Um, but I think, you know, a partner often has a unique lens into that. And as long as it's coming from a place of like, 
hey, I just wanted to, you know, alert you to this particular thing. How do you feel about it? Rather than being like, I noticed this happened. This is not okay. Um, I think makes a huge difference in being able to like support without, um, without like kind of asserting influence. Cause again, like Bryson said, like when, you know, of course being a partner with someone that does, you know, that inherently means that, you know, some of the decisions that you make should be, you know, tied to the other person. And you're always allowed in a partnership to kind of set boundaries around things of like what's okay and what's not okay for you and that partnership. But at the same time, I think that, um, being able to still operate as an autonomous human being is really important and having that freedom while still feeling, you know, supported by a partner can be, can be really good. Yeah. I appreciate both, both perspectives on that. Both sides of that conversation are really valuable. Yeah. Yeah. It's so. not an easy situation. And especially to be in the room while they're having a fight <laughs> as a metamorph be like, Hmm, so I'm just going to um, stay on my phone right here on the bed while y'all do your thing. You know, <laughs> um, th- those are some uh, tricky times for me in particular. Obviously, for them, it was harder. But um, to sit there and not jump in the conversation took a lot of willpower. And I think that it was particularly good for our relationship for me not to jump in ever. To always just like be like, look. Michaela's a grown ass adult. <laughs> she knows she's emotionally aware. She can take care of herself. I, I am here for whatever she needs, but I'm not going to like tell her, look, that was obviously not good. <laughs> Even though like I might've felt that way in that specific moment, like she knows what's good and not what's not good. And so it was, it was more of my place to just be that rock, that emotional rock that she could uh, lean on when needed. Yeah, yeah, which is a very difficult thing to do. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that is um, a, a difficult position to be in for sure. And we appreciate you sharing that perspective from both, again, from both sides. And yeah, I mean, this has been an amazing conversation and, and maybe a wanting to be respectful of your time this evening. Uh, is there anything we haven't talked about that, that both of you or either of you wanted to talk about? Um, we wanted to give you the opportunity to do that. And again, you're always welcome back on the show um, to, to hear follow-ups and where you're at and how things are progressing. So this isn't the last time we talk, um, but we wanted to give you the opportunity if there was something else you wanted to share that the, the floor is yours. <laughs> well, I will, I will say that, um, Michaela, Michaela's other partner, um, was like, wait, why are not all four of us going to be on there? Why? What? (laughs) (laughs) And so I think that was a really good point. And, uh, I thought about that too, except that like, we have such a dynamic that I really wanted just us to have a plenty of time to speak. I think we have a lot to offer, um, people who are trying to learn how to operate in this way. And I thought that was really good because we could just like be in our little quad polycule and talk about how amazing it is and all that kind of stuff. And we could talk about that for hours because it's been absolutely incredible. But I wanted us to focus more on like how have we made our relationship work and how like why is it so healthy and why is it so like um, deep? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well we'll come back and do that. The four of you yeah. <laughs> another time. Cause Cons- that would be amazing. Consider it scheduled. Cause uh, <laughs> that would be amazing. So. Yeah, I was like, give us three more months. Make sure we're all still doing good. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's a solid plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, did, I, I did have something in particular I wanted to speak on. And that was actually the fact that I got pulled into Polly, right? And so there were there were so many moments at the beginning of Michaela and I's relationship when her other uh, the partner she was with and her would like pretty actively make play parties happen um, at the beginning of our relationship, and then you know later on it turned into more of like big parties. Um, but like I was brought into this like innocent movie night <laughs> and I had told Michaela, I'm like, I don't think I want to do the poly thing. Like, I mean the, I want to do the poly thing, but I don't think I want to do the group sex thing. I don't think I want threesomes, foursomes, all that kind of stuff. And we have this innocent little movie night at, uh, <laughs> at someone's house. And I'm like, this isn't going to be some sex party. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and here we are, the, the second movie's on and people start making out and I'm like, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> and I'm like, I told you I didn't want to be here for this. I told you. And, um, you know, it turned out to be something that I was like, you know, actually this could be not so bad. <laughs> I think I could like this. <laughs> yeah. And I will just, uh, you know, from anybody listening who's going, yeah, I wonder what a group sex with a whole bunch of acro yoga people is like <laughs> that, that image. I, I can't even imagine. So maybe that's maybe that's part two uh, of the episode because um, that seems I can barely I can't touch my toes. So yeah, I I have no ability to imagine what that's like. So. Uh, I, I will I will say we've pretty actively tried not to have too many orgies with the acro community. <laughs> you think we've pretty actively tried? Because I feel uh, well, like I've pretty actively recruited most of the acro well, community. Well. Into the <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of overlap. Um, I mean, I think it's they're both like you know the type of people who are um, come towards acro are like very loving. They're very touch oriented. They mm-hmm. have a lot of like like sensory, especially around the physical body, like all of the kind of things that draw someone to be an acrobat often overlap with things that draw people to be in non-monogamy or play communities and that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, something for me when I was kind of getting introduced to all of this kind of thing, and again, could be, you know, a topic, a whole another topic or another day around things with play community and that kind of thing. Um, was that, you know, play parties can be a space for, you know, whatever and are really good for people who are wanting to explore non-monogamy. Maybe if it's literally just from a voyeuristic perspective um, and seeing that there are all of these different kind of avenues and routes to interacting with other people. Um, and so that was something that was really cool for me over the last several years of being able to have that be something that I hadn't even fathomed as a possibility, um, to something that I was very actively involved with for a while. And, you know, kind of now I'm even on the other side of things where I'm more of a host than even an active participant in any kind of thing, um, that I create, but I really, for me, that's something that has been a, kind of a found passion of mine is like giving people, whether it's a partner that I'm interacting with of like, Hey, let me introduce you to like a different way of, of thinking about sex, about life, about relationships, or, you know, it's, you know, hosting events, or it's just having a conversation even with my classmates and talking about non-monogamy, you know, not necessarily the, the play party side of things, but non-monogamy in general. Um, it's something that's been come up more and more in my life of like, this is, you know, I think when people think about 
love and think about life and relationships in a really different way. It just offers a lot of opportunities. So it's, you know, always really neat for me to talk to people about it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. And I, I look forward to parts two through 10 of this, <laughs> of this journey <laughs> of this conversation. Cause it's, I think there's so much there that we've only scratched the surface. Totally. Um, and I love. Uh, I was. I, I gotta say, I, I was honestly concerned if we'd even have an hour of stuff to talk about, and now I feel like we have like ten hours of stuff to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. In particular, how- one thing I think that would be like important to cover in this is is like my intro of my journey into like non monogamy and and in particular play parties and people who get involved in these orgies and sex parties and group sex scenarios because for the longest time. Um, and even still now I have an incredibly difficult time getting or maintaining an erection around more than one person. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, that is something I struggled with. And I thought that like, oh man, I don't even want to go to play parties because of that. And so I was telling Michaela that and she'd be like, but come, but come, I want you there. (laughs) And, uh, made like, even gave me like some very specific, like one-on-one time at the, the last one I went to. And, um, I will say that like that was a point of contention for me for a long time. And I later on came to realize that like, there's just like a multitude of things I can do at a play party. It doesn't even have to involve sex. Maybe it just involves making out or maybe it involves talking to this person about like their work or their, or their like animals or like, you know, it's just like, maybe I could just sit back and watch um, two women play with one another and learn a whole lot as a man. Cause I have learned a whole lot from that. Just so you know, <laughs> I think that that has been the number one, like most important part for group sex scenarios for me is being able to watch other people and how they please one another. And I think it's made me a much better lover. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. And such a good, like, I, I don't know, recommendation, I guess for lack of like takeaway, like yeah, go as an observer. <laughs> yeah, like really, if you're uncomfortable, like it, there's the point of being like go, going to a play party doesn't mean that you have to opt in. You can opt into what, like, you're opting into being there physically in person. But beyond that, yeah. you can do whatever you want, whether that, and you can leave at any point. Like, mm-hmm. you can be at your own comfort level. And, uh, yeah, and just observing and watching other people can be such an eye opening experience in and of itself. Yeah, there, there was a time in particular where I walked in a room that uh, um, Michaela was receiving pleasure from someone, and that that woman told me as I walked in, she's like, "I'm really, really loving the the feminine the feminine energy in here right now. Like, you're welcome, but it needs to stay feminine." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, I got you. Oh, I got you." <laughs> and I just lay there with my hands on my face like this, <laughs> just like I'm just here to watch. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, it lent to a really positive experience for everyone in the room. Like even with me having a deep voice and being a male and, um, yeah, I think it, it was a really good experience for me and everyone else to realize like, Hey, like I'm not here because I'm trying to like get anything out of it. I'm here because like I'm watching my partner, like enjoy giving someone pleasure and receiving pleasure. And that was a really cool experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh, I think man. we're going to need more than 10 parts. I know. We could keep talking. Like, there's <laughs> I was so like, much. wait, I got another thing. Hold on. <laughs> well, actually, can I share this one last thing? It was pretty recent. Sure, sure, sure. Um, sure. So we were, uh, Michaela and I and a bunch of our friend group were hanging out at this uh, property that's got like 
a big pool and a sauna and it's like out in the woods and stuff. And we're, we're all like all naked and it's just a lot of like free love type of situation. And, um, there's someone there that Michaela had been seeing like pretty consistently, but like infrequently. Um, and I was, uh, I didn't really necessarily like have anyone in that moment. And I was like actively watching like the Michaela and this other person, like, like start to have sex. And then like, at some point, like actually like penis goes in vagina as I'm physically watching. <laughs> and I'm like, man, like I was dealing with some freaking like major jealous feelings in that moment of watching this happen and be like, I want that. Why don't I get that? <laughs> and, uh, I was like, yeah, but at the same time, like she's happy. And that was like, it there was a big switch in me where I went from like 30 seconds of majorly intense jealous feelings to being like, take a deep breath, think through this. And then like at the end of it, I was actually feeling joy watching it. And I think that was a really spectacular moment for me to turn jealous into joy, which is a really, really cool thing of being like, Hey, my partner's happy. And that makes me happy. And that, that was a really cool moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that, like adding that you're gonna yeah, say no, something. No, I interrupted you're you. Good. You're good. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's amazing. Like that's that's so that you like actively made that like we're able to make that switch in your head and like the jealous feelings you had weren't wrong. There wasn't anything wrong with those, but like they're hard and like it to be able to switch it to look into a positive light is a. I don't know. It's it's amazing that you were able to do that and and go to that space and it just. Yeah, it makes me happy. Thank you for sharing that. Well, I just I, the the point I was going to make is I think it's impressive. Like I, you know, have done something similar, but or we've heard of other people doing something similar where it's it's after the fact, right? A day later or a week later to talk through it and be like, "Hey, you know, I was feeling jealous about this, but like now I'm feeling a lot better and I'm happy you had that." But to be able in the moment to like override that and switch it, like that that's damn impressive. It so, is. yeah, it felt really good. I will yeah. say it felt really good to make that switch right then and there within like a matter of like three or four breaths. Yeah. <laughs> Literally right. just took a few deep breaths and I was like, wait, wait, I'm okay. Oh, actually I'm feeling, I'm feeling good feeling. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah. Impressive. Uh, I think, yeah, so much awesome conversation we've had and you will both be back possibly with two other people who knows however many more um, <laughs> we'll figure it out we're so Probably excited <laughs> yeah we're we're so excited to continue the conversation and and just thank you again both for being here and everything you've shared tonight has been uh, it's fantastic yeah. yeah yeah we love it thank you so much yeah, yeah thanks for having us we really yeah. we had fun it was great talking to y'all yeah definitely <laughs> awesome well have a fantastic night and we will definitely talk soon be in touch for more soon. Yeah. For more Bye. soon. <laughs> and we're back. Right, Finn? We are back. It's yes. not just me. It, we are both here. <laughs> Some of us maybe a little more zoned out than the others. <laughs> that, that's, that's why I, I was trying to call your attention. We're recording here. <laughs> anyway, a huge thank you to Michaela and Bryson for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. It was amazing to talk to you, and we're so excited to get this out there. Yes, and one thing we didn't mention in the intro, if you're interested in finding more information about our guests, photos, maybe their Instagram pages, other ways to contact them. 
uh, head over to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, click on the podcast tab, and there are show notes for all of our guests, including Bryson and Michaela, and ways to get in touch or learn more about our guests. So please check that out. And while you're there, reach out to us. Let us know what you think of the show. Let us know what you think of us. Good vibes only. Yes. <laughs> and we would love to hear from you. You will get an email back from us or a voicemail if you leave us a voicemail. If you don't get an email, check your spam folder. And we just thank you in advance for the support of the show and everything else. Also, while you're on our website, you can find all the information about our Patreon community, all the information about the upcoming virtual meet and greets and in-person meet and greets, and sign up for our mailing list to get notified for any future events. It's all there. And the last most important thing you can do while you're on our website is click on the resources tab and see a lot of the resources that Emma and I use in our lives to help us navigate non-monogamy and just life in general. Our favorite one, stdcheck.com. stdcheck.com. This is how Emma and I get tested for STIs on the reg. Yep. Nice. (laughs) You like that? I'm speaking the hip lingo. Keep going. (laughs) It's fast. It's easy. It's simple. Also, we did this before. I don't need to say easy and simple. No, it's kind of a repetitive. It's low cost. It's about $130 for a 10-panel test. If you use the links on our website, you save $10 and you help support the show. I don't think we need to say much more about it. Check it out. We thank you in advance for not only getting tested and being a sexual health advocate, but for supporting the show and the work that we do here at the podcast. Yes. Thank you so much. And next week, we got another interview. Yeah. Speaking of community, Misha. Yes. She's on the show next week, and she was one of the founders of the Bonobo Network out in the Bay Area, which is a huge, huge sex-positive amazing community that we've joined a, an event of theirs in the past it's an awesome it's it's a great conversation and a and great work that that they're doing out there yes so come back in a week and listen and before that though we'll see you at the virtual meet and greet tomorrow night we will indeed have a wonderful day we'll see you tomorrow bye everyone thanks for listening